Invader Coffee. Those two words begin each and every day here around the Newton household. Invader Coffee. Medium roast, light roast, dark roast, whatever your pleasure, Invader Coffee has it. And the company is veteran owned and operated. I get a special thrill out of knowing that I'm supporting a company like that. And the coffee is just delicious. There ain't no two ways about it. I drink this Mexican chocolate blend. Sometimes I go all out and get the bourbon and bacon blend. Yeah, it's as good as it sounds, but there's no alcohol involved, no alcohol. You can either get the Lucky Bastard Irish Cream Blend or the Mexican Chocolate Blend. If you want a little sweetness, the tiramisu, the pumpkin pecan, it's delicious. 100% air roasted means it's the freshest your coffee can possibly be. And Invader Coffee will give you a 100% money back guarantee if you don't love it. Invader Coffee, order yours today at toddnewtononline.com. That's toddnewtononline.com. Just look for that Invader coffee logo click on it and caffeinate the right way with invader coffee welcome to the host with the most podcast podcast and now direct from the razzle dazzle studios here's the tan tattooed connoisseur of conversation todd newton always and forevermore at your service friend is i the host with the most trademark Todd Newton. Thank you for joining me here on the Toddcast. Please do subscribe to the show. And don't forget to check out the new YouTube channel. It's really growing over on YouTube, The Tattooed Traveler. That's my new YouTube channel of videos from my travels across the United States and around the world, actually. The Tattooed Traveler, uh, we've got some nice videos coming up Atlantic City, New Jersey, and Mystic, Connecticut. And uh, we're going to be in Omaha, Nebraska, and then out in California, Palm Springs and Santa Rosa, which is nice wine country out there. And, um, you know, if you're a travel fan, if you just uh, enjoy beautiful sceneries, if you uh, like experiencing new foods and drink and cultures and people, the Tattooed Traveler is for you. You can find the link at toddnewtononline.com. This is the podcast that introduces you to fascinating people who are doing fascinating things, as you know. And uh, this is a discussion that I had with my good friend, longtime friend, very proud of this man, Callahan Walsh. Callahan is an advocate for children through the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They're based out of Washington, D.C. And if the last name sounds familiar to you, it should Callahan is the son of John Walsh, longtime host of America's Most Wanted. And Callahan is currently co-hosting a show with his dad on Investigation Discovery. That's the network. The show is called In Pursuit with John Walsh. I had the pleasure of meeting this family several years ago at one of their wonderful charity events, raising money for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And as you will hear in this conversation, the more you learn about this organization, the more you want to be a part of it. It touches your soul at a very real place. You don't have to be a parent, but if you are, you will realize in extreme magnified detail the beauty of the work they have been doing for so very long. We'll uh, we'll ask Callahan to kind of go into the backstory here, which he's pretty good about doing. Um, but the passion 
the authenticity, the transparency of this organization and what they do for parents and children of all ages in a bunch of different areas, whether it's missing children, whether it's uh, children who are being exploited online through sextortion, through online grooming from predators. It's unbelievable. The bad guys, they think they're bad. See how bad you are when the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children sinks its teeth into you when the Walsh family comes after you. I'm actually wearing my National Center for Missing and Exploited Children hoodie. It says hashtag hope across the front. Callahan's going to be excited to see this. <laughs> uh, let's get him up on the video here. There's a lot to take away from this conversation. So uh, absorb it, savor it, enjoy it, pay attention to it. And please welcome my friend, Callahan Walsh. Hey, man, check it out. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, these are great, man. I bought one for myself, bought one for the kids. It's wonderful. Good stuff. Perfect. Callahan, Perfect. Uh, it is such a, such a, it's always an inspiration to see you and, and, uh, your dad, you know, I don't get to see you guys enough. And obviously we missed out on the big Las Vegas events um, this year, but yeah. um, I never want to miss out on the opportunity to, uh, to tell you how much respect I have for you and, and for your family. I don't think I've ever met anyone who has succeeded in, you know, turning a tragedy into a triumph, not only for the family, but for so many people. Uh, before we get into everything you're up to right now, are you comfortable sharing a little bit of the backstory uh, for those new listeners and and um, and new visitors to to your website about what led you to where we are today? Of course, of course, absolutely. I think most of your listeners will know my father, John Walsh, who was the host of America's Most Wanted for 25 years. Uh, current show, In Pursuit with John Walsh, which I co-host with him now. You know, he's getting a little older, so he sends me out there in the field. So constantly traveling, but still trying to track down those bad guys. But as mentioned, you know, I think a lot of people know my father from his, his time on television and crime fighting, but not everybody, especially, you know, the new generation coming up doesn't always know the backstory. I think many people think, oh, he was an old soap opera star or something turned crime fighter and found his niche. But we, we come from a place of tragedy, honestly. Um, my brother, Adam, was kidnapped and, and murdered in 1981. At the time, my father was not in the television business. In fact, he was a hotel builder. But because of Adam's disappearance and surrounding nature in the response to Adam's disappearance, my parents knew they had to do something because law enforcement at that time just didn't know how to look for missing children. The, the local response was mediocre at best, and there was no national response mechanism in place either to deal with missing or exploited children's issues. So Adam went missing in, in South Florida, was kidnapped from a Sears department store. And unfortunately, two weeks later, his remains were found about 100 miles away. During that time, my parents did everything that they could to try to find Adam to get attention on his case. And you have to think back in 1981, there wasn't this 24-hour news cycle that we have now. You know, the, the, the cable the news, the podcasting, the, you know, you know, all the social platforms, news just moved a lot slower back then. And, and to get on national media, you know, national attention on a case was very difficult. Adam was one of the few cases early on that, that got that national attention. My parents went on every TV show they could, they could get on to spread the word about Adam's disappearance and hope that somebody knew where he was. 
during that time, the Hollywood police, Hollywood post office estimates that they received and, and delivered about 40,000 pieces of mail to my parents' house. Hollywood, uh, Florida, there, Hollywood, Hollywood Florida, Florida, right? Yeah. And, uh, and it was a lot of letters of condolences, but a lot of letters from other parents of missing children who weren't getting the same attention that my parents got. And my parents realized that there really was no place for parents to go to get the help, to get the resources that they needed when they were looking for Adam. When they started going up to Washington, D.C. to testify in front of Congress to help try to change laws and try to make sure that you know, the response to missing children's issues was, was more robust than it was for them, they even asked the taxi driver to take them to the children's building up there while they were in D.C. They had some uh, documents that they needed photocopied. And the taxi driver couldn't do it. And it wasn't because it was too far away or that, you know, he didn't know of a place, but that place didn't exist. There was no organization up in our nation's capital. You know, we've got, you know, National Realtors Association. We've got, you know, all these different associations for all these different interest groups. But kids don't walk around with money in their pocket donating to a special interest group on their own behalf. And that's what my parents found out. And they started the Adam Walsh Resource Center in our garage in, in Hollywood, Florida, off just a card table and a landline. And that organization later became the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, an organization that's recovered nearly 350,000 missing children in our 36 years. We've come a long, long way from those early days in Hollywood to now having our headquarters just outside Washington, D.C., branch offices around the country, and a robust, robust operation to not only recover missing children, but to fight and end exploitation and also prevent future victimization as well. Mm -hmm. You know, what my parents started, you know, I grew up with them always saying, we need to make sure Adam didn't die in vain. And if his song is to continue, then we must do the singing. And we've been trying to do that every day at the National Center. And, you know, I'm just honored and, and, and proud to be able to continue my parents' legacy and my brother's legacy with my work done there at the National Center. But there's so many great people that work there and so much great work that's done. It's just such an incredible organization, an organization I know you're very familiar with because that's how we met yeah. uh, through the National Center events there in, in, in Vegas. And, uh, you know, you can testify firsthand. There's some some incredible people that work in the National Center that just do some incredible, incredible, incredible work. You know, man, there are two organizations that I'm passionate about. And over the years, you know, you, you, you get to meet all these great people who are doing really wonderful things. Uh, Best Friends Animal Society and, and just all these passionate people. But there are two organizations, the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research. It's a good one. It's inc incredible. And my father battles Parkinson's. And when I met Michael and I just saw the, the fire in his eyes, it reminded me of, of your father. And then when I met you, that fire is not something that you can just turn on when you step into an office Monday through Friday, nine to five. It's got to be with you 24 hours a day. And what you do is infectious. It brings all of these people in. And you're right, your staff and from PR to the people that handle your events to the people that answer the, the tip line, just incredible. But it all stems from going back to when you were little and your mom and dad, like you said, in the garage there, the lobbying they did. And through that lobbying, they were able to pass the Missing Children's Act. That was in 1982. That wasn't, that's a lot of work to get done in, in a year. That's a significant yeah. amount of work. And that created this national computer database, right? That you said wasn't there. It, that was in conjunction with the FBI, correct? 
It was, it was. And we've really tried to harness the power of technology the best we could along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Adam Walsh Act in, in, in uh, 2006 also, you know, created the National Sex Offender Registry. Uh, you know, something that I think everybody watching CSI and every true crime fictional show goes, these all entering stuff into their databases. Yeah. And things. Those things didn't exist for a long time um, in, in, until it, you know, until my parents, but other child advocates and victim advocates came forward. You know, what's unfortunate, I, you know, I've come to realize over the years that it often takes tragedy to bring about meaningful change. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the tragedy of my brother's disappearance and death and the tragedy of so many other children who suffered the same fate brought about meaningful change to help prevent other children from going missing. And for those that do find themselves in the situation to have trauma informed resources and operations and protocols in place. So when a child goes missing and that parent is in the worst place they've ever been in, they have an organization that they can go to. They have a place that they can get the help, the need, the resources that they so desperately deserve. And that care for these families and our recovered survivors is long-term. You know, oftentimes people see, oh, a kid's been recovered, end of that story. That oftentimes just beginning. Uh, of a long road of recovery. And here at the National Center, you know, we absolutely realize that our, our mission doesn't end just after a child's been recovered or they've been you know, recovered from exploitation. Uh, providing ongoing services and working with local grassroots organizations to help provide that too is just so important. You know, we don't operate in a bubble. We play in the sandbox with everybody else because Children and these families need a lot of resources and the National Center is there to help facilitate it, but we rely on so many other good NGOs out there to help fill those gaps and fill those needs. And that's just really what it's about. It's putting our our collective minds together to understand these situations from our survivors, looking for these teachable moments and creating great protocols, great operations, great prevention education materials too, to make sure our kids don't go missing or become exploited in the first place. It's all on your website, which is missingkids.org. And prevention is so huge. And, And what I love about the National Center, Callahan, is that the Walsh family is not afraid to get in there and fight dirty. Now, this is what we watched your father do on America's Most Wanted for, like you said, a quarter of a century. This is what you both are doing now on the new show, In Pursuit. But fighting dirty, at the last Las Vegas event, I was interviewing your father on the red carpet, and he was so elated because he had just shut, or they had just shut down that horrendous website, Backpage.com. And there was such a a, a sense of celebration because people don't realize just how filthy that website was and the things that were being traded and offered on that, on that website. And to get rid of that was such a, a, such a win. And you guys are not afraid to get down and nasty. And when you're dealing with the kind of people that are committing the crimes that you're dealing with, you got to get nasty. Um, And, the TV shows definitely help the National Center because it creates uh, it creates this brand. Let's talk about the shows uh, for a second. Was there ever a moment's hesitation when In Pursuit pre- presented itself to you? Is this getting out there and getting in the trenches in the Walsh blood? It seems like something you just had to do. 
It was, it was, you know, it was something that, uh, that discovery actually had come up with. I worked for my father for America's Most Wanted for an, on America's Most you Wanted. You were a supervising a producer or executive, you were producing. On yeah, I was show, a supervising right? producer. Yeah. I went out and shot a lot of the recreations, a lot of fun, you know, mini yeah. movies almost all, you know, yeah, fire, you know, pyrotechnics coordinators, um, firearms experts, stuntmen, stunt drivers, um, you know, our actors and extras and lighting. And, you know, it's just so much fun doing all that stuff. But I was behind the camera. That's what my my role, my goal was, too. I never really had an intention to, to get in front of the camera back then. Um, but once I w- made my way over to work for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children full time after American Most Wanted was canceled, I became a spokesperson for the organization. I understood at that point that telling my story in the way that I can tell it helps other families and helps the National Center do what we do best. And that's what my parents said. They went out and told out a story and that's why people connected with our family, connected with our mission. So I understood I was in a unique place to be able to go out there and continue telling our story. And so I became spokesperson for the organization. I'll tell you the first interview that I did on camera, I thought it was gonna be some local news. You know, It was Good Morning America live on set in, uh, in Times Square. I thought yeah, you were going to say Barbara Walters showed up at the front door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I was shaking in my boots there, you know, uh, about to go on for my first interview. And I must have done something right because they have me back quite a bit. I have a great relationship with Good Morning America. But as I started becoming more comfortable in front of the camera and really sort of finding my voice, uh, my father started uh, in pursuit with John Walsh with, with Investigation Discovery. And it was Henry Schleif, the president, who had come to my father and said, you know, I, I see your son out there, you know, taking on the mission for the National Center. What do you think about him joining? And my father said, you ask him, because I've been trying to get him to come on camera for years with me. So I had that first call with Discovery. And you're right, I jumped at the opportunity. I said, you know, now I think is the best time. I'm comfortable in front of the camera. I, I've got, you know, yeah, I worked on America's Most Wanted, but now I've got five years under my belt at the National Center, really understanding the issue beyond, of course, coming in there. Look, I've been dealing, you know, in, in, been in and around the National Center since I was, you know, crawling under the table and they're pulling paper clips out of my mouth. Yeah. But really working there full time gave me a, a great understanding, a better understanding of the issue and those that we serve. And I think I was poised and, and it was perfect time for me to join my father on In Pursuit. And it's just been such a great experience. I mean, the captures that we've gotten, you know, of course, we go after murderers and serial rapists. I love going after the child predators, the child molesters. And we've caught quite a few of them. In fact, I got two guys out of Mexico just off last season, both a serial child rapist. It's such a great feeling. You know, anytime we get a capture and get a bad guy off the street, it's better than hitting a home run. You know, I I think the hole that Adam left in all of our hearts is filled in little by little by the captures that we're able to get and the recoveries of missing children that we're we're able to get through the work at the center. Uh, It's such, I mean, fulfilling isn't the word. Um, there are no words to describe, you know, being able to, to give back, but, you know, I understand we come from a place of pain and, and I understand what these families are going through. And I think that's why I have a great ability to talk with family and to interview victims and survivors. Um, Cause I know what they've gone through. I can empathize with them um, and being able to provide them the justice that they so deserve. There's nothing better in the world. We like to keep it simple around here. Keep your toes in the sand, ice cubes in your glass, and the host with the most in your ears. Let's get back to the talk that will keep you talking. This is the host with the most podcast with Todd Newton. 
Yeah, brought to you by Invader Coffee. Thank you, Invader Coffee. Order yours by clicking on the Invader Coffee logo at ToddNewtonOnline.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Tattooed Traveler YouTube channel. The link also at ToddNewtonOnline.com. Welcome back. We are speaking with Callahan Walsh. He is the co-host, along with his father, John Walsh, of In Pursuit with John Walsh. Check your local listings. Now, Callahan, question for you, man. You know, when, when I bump into someone uh, in an airport or just, you know, doing the live Price is Right show that has been on one of the game shows I've hosted or that just watches it, it's usually a good thing because everybody loves a game show. Everybody's happy with a game show. But I would imagine when you or your family bump into someone that has been profiled either on In Pursuit with John Walsh or on America's Most Wanted, it's probably a complete 180 from that. Uh, Tell us what it was like growing up as the child of the host of America's Most Wanted, somebody known for putting bad guys away. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and and I grew up with my father on, on America's Most Wanted. I don't really know any different. And so, you know, we grew up with having all those precautions in place. Anytime we went anywhere public that was, you know, away from home or our hometown, we had bodyguards. You know, my dad had bodyguards. We received death threats to the family constantly. Um, Bomb threats to the studio at America's One. I remember being there even when I was a young boy when we used to film at uh, WTTG in in, in Washington, D.C. was the Fox station there. And there was a bomb threat called in and we all had to evacuate. And I remember being scared. Um, you know, but it's just something I've grown up in. You know, we, I, I try to stay off social media for personal um, things. I have a, you know, professional Twitter account. And I keep, you know, our fans updated and, you know, live tweet during the, the shows and everything. But if I'm somewhere, I'll tweet about it after I've already left. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting my schedule out there. And I try to keep a low profile the best I can because, look, you know, we've put away a lot of bad, bad guys, the worst, the worst. And America's Wanted being as on as long as it was, some of those guys are getting out now. And, uh, you know, they want their, their, their comeuppance and their retribution, I guess. Um, but, you know, that's, that's a price we're willing to take. And that, that's something that, uh, you know, comes with the territory. Uh, we try to be as safe as, as we can. And there are a lot of bad guys out there, but there's so many good people out there also. And that's really what it's about because that's what the show is. You know, yeah, we profile bad guys and sometimes bad girls, but it's the power of the public that we rely on to yeah. get the job done, to get the tips that law enforcement is so desperately needing to crack a case wide open. Somebody out there holds the key that unlocks the door to justice. And we ha- harness that power of the public because law enforcement can't be everywhere all the time. But the public is the eyes and ears out there. Oftentimes we take in cases because law enforcement has reached out to us and they've hit a dead end. They've hit a wall and they are looking for that one thing to move the case forward. And shining a white hot spotlight on these guys and making the world a lot smaller place for them is the way we do it. You know, I say, you know, yeah, it's about the bad guys, but it's about the good people out there. You know, we give them an opportunity, a hotline that they can call, a way to do the right thing. And man, do they come through. And growing up, I watched my father shake every person's hand, take a picture with every single fan that ever came up. He always had time for them because he knew that that's what was causing the show to be successful. That's how we got the outcomes, the captures. That's what it's all about. We're not trying to sell Tide commercials, no offense to Tide, but we're not there trying to sell it, you know, commercial time. 
we're trying to make a difference in, in society. And the difference is the people that come forward. And again, I watched my father shake everybody's hand, take every picture because he knew it was about the fans. It's about the good men and women out there that, that give us those tips. They don't want to be living down the street from a child rapist or a murderer. And you know, look, not everybody wants to call the cops. Not everybody wants to talk to police. They don't want to be dragged into, you know, a, a trial because they're turning in their cousin or what have you. So we give them the opportunity to call our hotline. They can remain anonymous. We have trained operators right there, but we have law enforcement there that sits hand in hand with those operators. They're not answering the phone calls, but they are looking at those tips right away, especially the marshals. Great, great partnership with the U.S. Marshals. You know how much we love those guys and, mm -hmm. and, and gals over there. And they... You know, we've had takedowns within minutes of tips coming in because they're they're everywhere and they go and knock down doors at three in the morning. It's just and it's a fantastic guys, partnership. You guys inspired so many other like shows in the world of television. If something works, some, somebody's going to tweak it just a bit and do it again. And, you know, listen, sure. I, I, I would imagine you guys are probably like, yeah, create all the crime fighting shows you want if it works. Um, so the cyber tip line is something that stemmed from you guys. We do not want to downplay the importance of the cyber tip line. Sure, social media is huge now and, and there are websites that people can go to for help and assistance. But at missingkids.org, that is the website uh, for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. There's information on the cyber tip line. It's made such an, an impact. And on the website, I was reading about sextortion, you know, and any parent with teenagers is so fearful of, of this. We had a wonderful woman, Dr. Michelle Druin on, who's an expert in sexting. And she was saying that sexting is the new first base. You know, and sadly, I think she's right. Yeah. But this sextortion where people are blackmailing young men and women uh, via text and, and via DMs, you help with that, with the cyber tip line. You give hope to people that, oh my God, I sent this photo. If I'm a 16, 17 year old girl, I sent this photo. This could ruin my future, my college, my job. But there's hope, right? And it all starts with the cyber tip line. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I could talk about the cyber tip line for, for hours. It's an incredible uh, mechanism for both internet service providers, but also law enforcement and the public to report any instances, any instances of suspected child sexual abuse online. And that's anything from sextortion, as you mentioned, which, you know, is a new trend. I mean, we didn't even have a word for that until a few years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, online enticement, grooming, luring, child sex trafficking. You mentioned Backpage, which was an open marketplace to sell children for sex online. You know, the cyber tip line is an incredible uh, resource for not only uh, law enforcement, but for the public. You know, the amount of tips that come in, because so many people hear the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, they think it's all about missing kids, abducted kids, non-custodial parental abductions, runaways, this and that. Yes, that's, that's a big part of what we do. But the other half of the house is the exploited side. And much of that ex exploitation happens online, whether it's the, 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 creation and distribution of uh, child sexual abuse material, as some know as child pornography, a term we're moving away from. It's child, call it what it is, child sexual abuse material. But there's millions and millions of those images and videos that come into the National Center that are, are recovered by law enforcement. And our folks have to look at those images, try to identify who the perpetrator is, try to identify who that child is, in hopes that we can determine when and where that image was taken and hope that there's a, a recovery um, and, and an intervention by law enforcement. 
But we see so much now with young kids self-producing these images, whether it's at the behest of another individual, they're being groomed into doing this, or that they think they've got a boyfriend or girlfriend. And, you know, look, these kids are seeing their parents do it oftentimes, seeing their celebrities that they follow also doing it. And so they think it's okay for them to, to send these explicit images. But children, you know, look, their brains aren't developed fully. They, they cannot really comprehend how dangerous that can be. And there are individuals out there, child predators, who will use an explicit image of a child. How they got that image, it, it varies drastically. It could be something where they groomed the child and got the image, or they hacked an account, or they found it online. And they use that image to blackmail that child for either more images, which oftentimes the requests get uh, more and more extreme and explicit, uh, or they will extort them for money, for monetary goods. And we're seeing uh, children and their parents being so scared that these images getting that these images getting out there that they will pay these uh, exploiters. And that is not the way to go about it. Um, you know, here at the National Center, we work very hard and, and very closely with internet service providers to be able to take down those images. You know, so many people think, oh, once that image out there, it's impossible to get it down. It's difficult but it's not necessarily impossible. So it, you can, it, listeners can go to uh, missingkids.org slash get help now. And that's a service that we provide that if you believe there are images out there of your child or yourself, and we, you know, we have plenty of adults now who think that, that you know, images were taken of them when they were uh, children. If you think those images are out there, go to that website, missingkids.org slash get help now. We can help take those images down off the internet. It is that light at the end of the tunnel, as you said, What's been difficult is during COVID, we've seen an, a major uptick in the reports to our cyber tip line. In 2019, before the pandemic, we had about 16.9 million reports. In 2020, we had 21.7 million reports. That's an increase of about 26%. And 100% increase in one category alone being online enticement. So we've seen chatter on the dark web during COVID of exploiters, of child predators sharing best practices and tips and saying, this is a great time to exploit children online. And this is how you do it. Because the pandemic with the lockdown, everybody's experiencing more screen time, parents and children. So there's more opportunities to harm kids and more opportunities for exploiters to target our children. And what another issue is that parents are being lulled into a false sense of security because they see their child on the couch and they go, my kid's at home. They're in a safe place. They're right there on the couch. They're texting away. They don't, the parent oftentimes doesn't know who the child's talking to. That cell phone, which is a mini computer with a camera goes everywhere with that child into the bathroom, into the bedroom at night. You know, we used to have the, the computer in the central living room where parents could sort of monitor. That's not the case anymore. And, you know, when we talk about prevention education, look, we encourage parents to monitor what their children are doing online, talk to them about you know, who they're talking to and what kind of behaviors, but the parents can't always be there to swoop in and, and, and save and rescue their child before they make a bad decision. So it's really about empowering children to make those decisions themselves, to make safe and smart decisions, to be able to identify risky situations and learn how to avoid them. And we do that at the National Center through our program called NetSmarts. It's, we use the information from the cyber tip line. We spot trends and come up with great prevention education material that is based in real world fact and research. We know what the trends are. We see what's going on. And so we can create really great resources, all age appropriate for the youngest kids. It's animated videos. They're highly engaging. They look like any Saturday morning cartoon a kid would be watching. I kind of call it you know, sticking 
vitamins, the junk food, if you will, right? Got to, got to, uh, you know, we're educating, but we're got to entertain at the same time. And then we have resources for, for older teens and tweens, but resources for parents and educators too. It's, you know, we want educators to bring these resources into the classroom. We want parents to talk to their kids about safety. It can be difficult for some parents because the knowledge gap can be so severe. You know, kids know everything about the internet. Some parents didn't grow up with it. Um, but we have great conversation starters and, and conversation guides that are age appropriate that help parents have these conversations with their kids to make sure they're ongoing, but also successful. The website again is missingkids.org. And something that I, I just want to say, and then I just have one more question and I'll let you jump. I know you're a busy man. Uh, you guys, you just finished season three, right? That, that's not my question, but this, this is just, you just missed. We're, we're in, we're in uh, mid swing right now of filming season three. So season it should three. be out. Um, yeah. June, uh, July-ish. The show is in, in pursuit. I, I want to remind people that there is always hope. And for those of you that are listening on the podcast, I'm wearing the hoodie that I got from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. You can order one too. The money goes to help the, the best cause there is out there. But it says hashtag hope. The important thing here is that people realize they are never without hope. When something like this happens, when you when you feel as if you're being groomed or if you catch your children sending photos they should not be sending or speaking to someone they shouldn't be speaking to, you're never too far in to get help. And as a parent, we need to know that. As a young person, you need to know that. And the missingkids.org website is updated constantly with the latest techniques in education, uh, technology, everything is there. This is not some old school. I know you started in, in your garage there in Hollywood, Florida. This has come so, so far. And like Callahan said, it has helped countless people. Um, and the issues that are affecting young people today, they're not easy to deal with. Don't feel like you have to do it yourself. Missingkids.org is the website. Last question. Uh, we'd all like to think that we and our kids are insulated and living in this protective bubble. Like you said, uh, we're not, even if it looks as if we may be. There's a lot of evil out there. Your father did a great job of, of telling us that, but also giving us that, that hope. What are some of the risk factors that you see out there that parents can take special notice of and take action on before it's too late? You know, th there's a, a lot of things, you know, I could talk about prevention for, for hours and hours, just like the cyber tip line, you know, there's so much that we do at the National Center and, and so much information to share, but for parents, especially, you know, I always tell parents three things. First, try to understand the technology the best you can. I understand parents, look, there's that big knowledge gap, like I said, but talk to your kids about what apps they're using. Download those apps yourself. Learn how to use them. Friend your, your child so you can see what they're posting as well. Try to understand the tech the best that you can. Number two, it's to set ground rules and stick to them, especially if there's been bad behavior in the past. And number three is to have often and ongoing conversations with your kids about safety. Look for those teachable moments. Talk about it regularly. So it's not just this, you know, oh my gosh, situation where you sit your kid on the couch and have this talk with them about safety and their eyes glaze over and you don't know what to say. Talk about safety regularly. Look for things in the news. See what's happening in your community. You know, but parents really need to 
do is parent up. They need to pay attention to their children. They need to pay attention to what's going on online. Talk to them about who they're talking to, what kind of activities they get into, and really put an effort into trying to understand, you know, the regular patterns that you see in a child. And if they start to deviate from that, talk to them, figure out what's going on. You know, we had a victim of sextortion at the National Center. She received our Courage Award at, at our Hope Awards a few years ago. She was sending her exploiter over 60 images a night, 60 images a night in fear that he would expose her to her family and friends. It was her mother that noticed the change in her daughter. She was exhausted in the morning because she's staying up all night, you know, at the behest of this exploiter. She had the talk with her daughter and her daughter came forward and, and let her know what was happening. And through a joint investigation with the FBI, we were able to determine that her exploiter was here in the United States he was exploiting over 350 other children and he was promptly arrested in, in South Florida living out of his parents' house. Mm. So talk to your kids about what's going on. They tell you something you need to listen and you need to take it seriously and you need to teach them that it's okay for them to come to you. They're sent an explicit image or request that they're being sent. That's not their fault. It's not their fault that somebody is trying to prey on them. And so you're talking to your kids and letting them know that you're a trusted adult. You're somebody that they can go to out of fear that they're not going to get in trouble or anything like that. Come to me as a parent or as a caregiver. Uh, you know, it's just so important for, for children to understand that they have help out there, that we care about them. We love them and that they're not going to get in trouble if, if someone sends them an image like that. If it doesn't make them, you know, makes them feel uncomfortable or what have come to my, come to me, come to a parent, come to a, an educator, somebody that you trust. And, and, you know, it's just so important. We do, safety education at schools all the time. And you'd be surprised how many kids come forward about, you know, images that they've received or somebody that's tried to groom them or, you know, things that, that they've encountered online. And it's just incredible how these predators are preying on our kids online. Look, internet has created life for the better in so many ways. The internet is a great place, but it's another place that exploiters can prey on our children and they're always one step ahead of technology, three steps ahead of law enforcement. Um, you know, they're early adopters and, uh, and that's why it's just so important for parents to talk to their kids about safety. But as you said, hope, you know, hope is the big thing here. We always say hope is why we're here. We never give up hope on any of our cases. We've seen way too many long-term recoveries to, to believe in, in giving up hope. We know families will never give up hope on, on their missing loved ones. And so here at the National Center, we don't give up. We keep fighting. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, missingkids.org. Uh, the new show, Pursuit with John Walsh, is on Investigation Discovery. You're looking at the co-host right there, Callahan Walsh. Man, I don't have to tell you that I've got nothing but love and respect for you and your family and everything you guys do and, and immense gratitude. I feel like my association with all of you has made me a better parent over the years. I hope other people feel that as well. And I hope that you guys know that uh, if, if there's ever anything I can do for you, the word no is not in my vocabulary. And just thank you for all of it. And thank you for taking a little bit of time to join us here today, my friend. Of, of course. Thank you for the kind words. Great to see you again, as always. And hopefully I can see you out at the, the Vegas event sometime soon as well. Thanks for being part of the conversation. The host with the most is a registered trademark. All rights reserved. Don't forget to order Todd's books. Visit ToddNewtonOnline.com today. The host with the most. There is only one.